Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. Now we're having a special episode today. Now the season's over and we're doing some different things. And we have the first ever guest on From the Bleachers, one of my favorite musicians, Dan Campbell of The Wonder Years. Dan, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm super excited to never listen to this because I hate my voice on podcasts. Oh, it'll be good. The worst is, so obviously I've been doing a lot of podcasts this Eagle season, doing some Sixers work as well. So now I have to actually listen to them after they get uploaded just to kind of yes, cr- critique myself. And then, you know, it's good. It's a decent podcast when I can listen to it without wanting like, without it sounding like nails on a chalkboard and yeah. wanting to. Oh yeah. Obviously like over the years I've had to do like many, many interviews and I've way pared them down now. And sometimes people are like, why do you do less press? And I'm like, because I can't stand listening to my own voice back. Can you listen to your own music or is that weird? Because that's, that's no different. Problem. I think my singing voice and my speaking voice are so crazy different yeah. and weirdly different. So I don't mind that so much. Yeah. Just, you know, you don't, you, you hear yourself in your head and then you hear it play back and it's different and it's off. My voice is so much cooler in my head. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I imagine I'm like, Bruce Wayne smooth and then I hear the podcast and it's weird like a nasally South Philly accent yeah I think I hear my voice right now in my head and I go you sound like a normal human this is what <laughs> humans sound like and then I listen back and I'm like that's not that so we just had some breaking news right before we were about to record I'm sure you're aware of this now the Eagles as Adam Schefter of ESPN has just reported the Eagles are going to part ways with offensive coordinator Mike Groh and wide receiver and coach Carson Walsh First of all, when they had Carson Walsh, I was very confused. Then Super confused. You can't have two Carson W's on the team. Very, very difficult to deal with. It was a long time coming with these two. Grow may have been getting scapegoated. I'm definitely part of that as someone who assigned a lot of blame to him. But I think the team is in need of some new blood. I don't want to get have them kind of drunk on Super Bowl nostalgic, kind of keeping it uh, like an old boys club or an inner circle. I think they would really benefit from an outside perspective, a fresh pair of eyes on the offense, see what hasn't been working well over the last two years compared to the first two years of the Doug Peterson. Sure, sure. And uh, a super quick preface is that, you know, I never want to root for anyone to get fired. Yeah, that's the hard thing. That's the difficult thing. It's like people whose lives are their lives and their jobs is how they pay their bills. It's how they support their families. Uh, I hope that everybody lands on their feet. Yeah. I want a new wide receivers coach. Yeah, I hope they land on their feet with a different organization. That's I tweeted this before. Uh, during like their tower of losing streak, I was like, it's the um, ultimate balance of trying to decide whether like my whole philosophy is based around being pro labor and then like simultaneously wanting everyone in the Eagles organization to like lose their <laughs> job. Yeah. I, like I hope they all I, land I on their think, feet too well, but not here. I don't think there were a lot of changes I wanted to make to the coaching staff this offseason. Um, if I had had like ultimate supreme power over the team, yeah, I probably would have moved on from Walsh. Yes. Yeah. That's the one thing that was really uh, frustrating for me. But then again, you know, is he also responsible for, for Greg Ward? For Greg Ward and for Deontay Burnett, Burnett and, you know, like taking people that, you know, ostensibly whose job it was to not play super well at practice so the defense could get reps against them and get their head around yeah. the game plan to then going into the game and making clutch catches. Like, so I, I guess you know, you'll just have to see how it plays out. But that said, there's. A lot of people who were qualified uh, to come in, and, and hopefully we find one of the ones that's going to help us next year. My, it's not realistic at all. The guy I want as wide receivers coach is Josh McCown. I think Josh. Ah. Mc, I think. I mean, that's a little getting a little hyperbolic saying that, but I think he deserves a spot on the coaching staff. I'm not. I mean, not like as. I mean, as a low level guy to start out his coaching career, he's yeah. clearly someone who's 
well-spoken, knows the offense, in interested in coaching. Just You could read the stuff. I think uh, Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com, I don't know if you saw it, did a fantastic piece on how Josh McCown has prepared all of those practice squad guys throughout the season. And they attribute a lot of their success, Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett, those guys – their success in December over the last five, six weeks of the season mm-hmm. to working with Josh McCown with the scout team every day. I also think there's a, maybe a respect that comes player to player. Yeah. And I think you see it with Deuce. I mean, everyone loves him. Yeah. And, the, and the, what he's able to do with the running backs in the running game and just coaching those people out. Like Miles Sanders said all season that Deuce is the reason he's playing the way he's playing and got Boston Scott ready in a hurry. So uh, I don't think that's a, it's a bad idea to get a, an ex-player or a coach wide receivers for sure. No, I wouldn't even mind if Deuce got the OC job. I'd just like to see something different than what they're doing. You don't really see it too frequently where, you know, a running back's coach gets that promotion. It always seems to be very streamlined from, you know, the way you work yourself up is like you're a quality con- control coach and then you're an assistant quarterback coach and your quarterback coach. It feels like a very mm-hmm. straight line. You know, Doug um, Peterson, Andy Reid, all those guys have done man, that. Man, I'm blanking on the cap from San Diego right now. Who coaches the Chargers? Was the running back coach at Buffalo, and okay. they got the yeah, yeah. interim head coaching job when Rex Ryan got the boot, and then ended up getting a, a bunch of head coaching interviews and, and went to to San Diego. Although not a great Anthony season. Lynn, Anthony Lynn, yeah, you got it. Well, they also have uh, in Kansas City that Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy, yeah, I think he's ice. It's kind of messed up that he hasn't really gotten it. really feels like that should be where the Cleveland goes. Yeah. I mean, super talented guy, obviously incredibly talented, overseeing record-breaking world-class offensive play. Well, Andy Reid has always turned out great coaching candidates. You have the last two. Doug Peterson, obviously, was two coordinators ago, and the most recent coordinator in Kansas City before the enemy was Matt Nagy, Nagy, who, as we know, won Coach of the Year two years ago, even with... Plus, Ron Rivera, plus yeah. John Harbaugh. I mean, Reed has the best. I mean, if you want to consider it part of the Mike Holmgren tree, whatever. But as for a modern coach, he, it's not even close. He has the best coaching tree. So I don't even yeah. know why you wouldn't. I mean, you can include Deuce Staley as part of that yeah. coaching tree. You can include Doug Peterson. You can include all the guys in Philadelphia to a degree. 100%. Yeah. Um, I hope Eric Bianami gets, gets an HC job. Yeah. And he deserves it. What do you think about Jim Schwartz? I'm actually, I've wavered him a few times during the his tenure in Philadelphia, but I actually am. Uh, I'm firmly in the pro Schwartz camp now. I feel I'll like, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, it seems like there might be some personality issues in between, you know, how him and Doug interact, maybe how him and Howie Roseman interact. I know there's um, some mystery uh, where Schwartz has some control over defensive personnel and how that relates to maybe how, how he wants to allocate salary cap, how he wants to make moves, and maybe the sort of confrontation between Jim thinking he should be more of a leader compared to Doug, stuff like that. But if he doesn't get that Cleveland head coaching job, I want him back here. He's yeah, done. I think so too. And, and all of that stuff is hard. I'm not in the room. Right? Yeah. Like I'm, I can't speak know, to maybe, his real maybe personality. You're getting little whispers or you're, you know, people are trying to read body language or some yeah. other thing, but I'm not in the room. So I'm going to trust the, you know, very successful adults in the room uh, to make the decision that, are best for them. Yeah. I mean, they don't really have much to work with the secondary besides Jenkins been in shambles almost the entire time he's here and they've been at worst like a league average defense. Yeah. And absolutely. if they can get infused with some young town, even if like the defensive line took a huge step back this year and they were still right around league average, if they can just well, inject, they have 10 picks this year, if they get some youth in there. Right? Agree. And yeah. you talk about a team that, Okay, you're coming in with Fletcher Cox next to Malik Jackson, but then you lose Malik Jackson. But that's all right because you have Super Bowl champion Timmy Jernigan sitting. Oh, he got hurt. Yeah. All right, well that's all right because Hassan Ridgeway is playing out of his mind. He got hurt and still managing to be such an unbelievably good run defense after losing all of those players at the same. Having position. no linebackers essentially for yeah. half the season. Yeah, I mean you lost Camus and it's uh, Nigel missed some time. Yeah, Nathan Gary uh, surprised me a little bit. Really did. Yeah. Uh, really did. I When he was drafted, I was really excited about the prospect of this kind of like Hybrid. really heady, ball hawking, linebacker, you know, safety getting moved to linebacker. Yeah, that's definitely the future of the position. But, you know, I obviously Kiss and Solaco pointed out quite a bit, but he definitely bites on play action super, super sure. hard. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, he's also still had time to develop. I think the expectation that people come into the league and in a year, two years, three years are the player that they're going to be forever ignores a lot of history of people developing Absolutely. early in their career. So he showed a lot this year. 
obviously they need to find an offensive coordinator. They need to find a new wide receivers coach. And outside of that, what are your hopes for this offseason? What specific moves would you like to go down? My biggest hope for this offseason, the thing I'm worried about the absolute most, is the hope that for me, not for, for him, whatever he wants to do for him and his life, but I really hope that Jason Kelsey does not retire. Oh, yeah. That's the biggest fear that I have. And that could be the biggest blow to the team. The offensive line, whether JP comes back or not, Dillard's waiting right there in the yeah. wings to be a great left tackle. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, that's an unbelievable offensive line with the best center in football who has consistently been the best center in football. And I actually like Nate Herbig and I yeah. think that he can play, but I don't know. He's not Jason Kelsey. Certainly not. Right. Um, you got to go in feeling pretty good about the running backs. Yeah. Um, I think Jordan Howard obviously is not going to sign here. He's going to sign somewhere that he can be a starter, but I don't think that it's going to be all that hard if you want to find a goal line kind of bruiser guy that they're there, they exist, they're available. Yeah, they have a lot of mid-round draft picks. So like uh, the predicted compensatory picks are, you also have a third rounder for Nick Foles, a fourth rounder for Jordan Hicks, and a fourth rounder for Golden Tate. And I think that's the perfect sweet spot in that around three to four range to draft another running back and just kind of keep yeah, having young, that, cheap players in the rotation. Someone who's like, spider graph doesn't jump off the charts, the athleticism doesn't have to be insane, but who will just run it down. 99%, 99% weight. Yeah, like that's what <laughs> yeah, Like Brandon Jacobs, for. like... Yeah, and I, that was, I was such a big LeGarrette Blunt fan. I mean, obviously, Blunt's a much more dynamic runner than that. And, yeah. And gets not as, pigeonholed into that. It's not as one fast. But, but man, is he good at it. Yeah. Right. So, uh, obviously, the tight end position, you have to feel like you're better than anyone else in the league. Certainly. Um, Hope Zach Ertz is alive. <laughs> yes. Wildcats are tough. Uh, it's it's going to be tough. I think, obviously, you get Deshaun back and could have had Deshaun back this week. And if that had Don't happened. Don't remind me. God. That, that's the one thing I kept saying to people where they were like, well, you know, if they get through this round, it's like, who cares? So like, if they get through this round, they get Deshaun fucking Jackson back and anything's possible. Yeah, well, I also think they've probably spent all offseason planning the offense around having Deshaun in there. Yeah. So now they could actually do the things they wanted to do with the offense right. in so September. Obviously, uh, best of luck to Nelly. Thank you for the Super Bowl. Yeah, you appreciate everything. Unreal playoff run that year. Thanks, but and, no thanks. And yeah, just, you know, I think that he needs some some fresh. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's best for both some, parties. And I think he's going to get it. You know, is he's obviously shown enough to go get a deal somewhere. I don't think that you're going to have Alshon for most of the season. Um, I don't think he's going to come back from that injury very quickly. Obviously, some holes to fill wide receiver-wise. Depends on how the first round of the draft shakes out. I would say like I'm pretty committed to taking a corner in the first round. Okay. Unless Judy, Ruggs, or Lamb. Yeah, Judy's my guy. That's the guy I want. You know, I, obviously, Jerry Judy would be phenomenal. I don't know if he's going to lie. The Eagles got you know, the 21st pick for anybody who's listening as aware. You know, you're going to say no to C.D. Lamb. No, yeah, that's right. Or, yeah. or Henry Ruggs. I think... Um, you know, any of those players, but otherwise I think that it, it's in the team's best interest to find someone else besides Deshaun that can be a deep threat that can be available and learn from Deshaun Jackson, the greatest deep threat in the history of football. Yeah. And I think that they were hoping that Nelly could pop over and take that this year. Yeah. Uh, he is unbelievably fast. It's, you know, it's not like, I know it's like a little bit of a joke. Poor um, tracker of the ball. But yeah, I mean, doesn't track the ball away. Deshaun Jackson does. Certainly. So, um, but I don't think that you're in too bad of shape offensively. I think, you know, obviously the wide receiver position is the one that you want to concentrate on. And then going to the defense, like number one, pay Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, it pay needs a new, I don't, it's, it really, it's really weird. It's odd. It, it's, rubs, it rubs me the wrong way. It rubs me the wrong way, especially not because he's, not just because he's the leader of the defense, leader of the team. Yeah. Not just because he's an unbelievable player. Not just because he played 100% of your defensive snaps this year again and a bunch of special team snaps. Not just because when you need a play, you always look to Malcolm to make the play, but because you were had the space. The space, yeah. the cap space was available. The money was not allocated elsewhere. Pay him. Yeah. Uh, so I want to I want to make sure that you pay Malcolm. And a fantastic human being off the, the field I mean, as well. My favorite eagle of all time. Bar none, hands down, no questions asked, not even a second thought, Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. Need get the man his money. Um, 
I give Malik Jackson back, so I feel really good about the defensive Definitely. interior. I want to make sure that I, I would like to keep Timmy Jernigan around as well. Definitely. Um, I would even like to keep Vinny Curry around. I would like to spend a little more draft capital and try to get younger and more athletic off the edge, too. You can never have too many edge rushers. I, I, I totally agree. And I'm interested to see what Gennard Avery can turn into with an offseason. Like Howard Roseman, we're recording this on Thursday, January 9th. So uh, Doug and Howie had their little end of the season, postseason, whatever you want to call it, press conferences yesterday. And uh, Howie was discussing Gennard Avery. And he said a little strange wording, but essentially they acquired him middle of the season. He really didn't play at all at the end of the year. He had maybe a couple snaps here and there. Had yeah. one sack in his first game as an Eagle. But other than that, was pretty quiet. They said it was more of a move towards the next season. They want to get him in their off-season program and see what he can do. So you have to have some optimism for him. Now, I don't, I'm not sure if it's exactly the greatest trade in the world to part with that pick and for a guy who couldn't get on the field when they really need depth. But we'll see. Josh, see, Josh Flat, Flat, yeah. flashed way more than I expected him to. Yeah. And so, but again, I would I would invest some. You have a lot of draft picks. Yeah. I'd invest some draft capital and edge. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, obviously the DBs are a big question outside of Malcolm. And I think Avante is a great nickel corner. Yeah, um, I love Avante. And actually, I love Craven. Oh, he's That's, the best. Strap is my guy. Yeah. I saw someone Beloved. say, hey, you got to cut Craven LeBlanc. Like, what? Are you kidding me? First of all, why? It's not like he's eating up cap space, right? This is, And I think he plays way above his the expectation of yeah. him really consistently. Uh, and he plays fearless and he plays tough and underrated tackler. Yeah. And I think people were mad that he missed that tackle against Seattle, but sometimes people miss tackles. Yeah, man. It's just like sometimes people miss good. tackles. I think I love Strap. Um, I think that's the first cornerback that people in this city don't hate. And since what, Asante Samuel? I think people like Boykin. Oh, yeah. People, Boykin was one of those guys where... I was sad when we let him go. Yeah, well, it was one of those players where, like, why isn't he playing more yeah. type things. That was confusing to me. He was really good that first chip year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. As a nickel, he was great. Yeah. And um, game winner against Dallas. Against to Dallas. That interception yeah. to send us to the playoffs. Yeah. I could see Mills coming back. I think he'll definitely be back. I could also, I mean, I could also see you Jim know, Schwartz loves Jalen Mills, I, and I, and I think I love Jalen Mills too. I think you love know, the attitude. Uh, Rube had that post was the Eagles team of the decade, and he had Mills at one of the corners, and he was like, "What are you going to say?" I mean, like, yeah, he gives up some big plays. Yeah, he's frustrating, but he's made some of the biggest plays at corner in Eagles history. Yeah, and he loves this city. It's very yeah. clear that he loves being here. I think that the problem isn't necessarily that Mills is not good enough. It's the other side at cornerback. Mills is your number two corner, right? Yeah. I don't th- I think the problem is you need one really seriously, very good cornerback. Like you can go in with a lot of these guys who are league average yeah. level corners, but you can't have them playing opposite below that. Yeah. That's why I was saying at number 21, if there's a corner worth taking there, that's I think that's the move. I don't know if there's anybody in free agency. Like, I don't think I don't, I'm pretty sure the Rams have signed Jalen Ramsey yet, but there's no way they're going to let him out of that. No, program. they have so much um, franchise tag in. Marcus Peters got signed to it. Byron uh, Jones from Dallas could be an intriguing possibility. I really liked him, and I don't know if he was drafted. In, right? Yeah, was he 20? I want to say he was the 2015 draft, I believe. Yeah, because yeah, people said that they wanted him over Aguilar and the Eagles drafted Aguilar. Yes, and I remember him being like notably explosive at the combine. Yeah. I think he broke the record for standing long jump. Ooh. Um, something to that effect. Like, would be good, but again, like you're talking about guys that are a little above average. It would be franchise changing to get a lockdown corner oh my God. on Look. that on one side. And that's you know, that's the biggest wish for me. And then otherwise, as far as McLeod goes, like I really do like him. I really like him on the team. If you're talking about the need to get younger, I don't think it's the worst idea to try Russell Douglas out at safety. No, I mean they seem pretty reticent to move any of their corners to safety, and I don't really understand that. Again, we're not well, guys that understand that because there's transition been, fully, but yeah, and I think there's just been so many injuries so consistently that yeah. you just need those guys to be ready. And when called upon, I mean, you gotta say Sid stepped up. He shocked me the last. I mean, I, games in a row. I thought he was a zero. Not nothing against him personally or anything, but I just didn't think. Well, maybe he was you, like, know, oh. you gotta think maybe he didn't come back from the Achilles. Well, I didn't know if that's one of an injury where that some people never come back the right yeah. way. 
Yeah, and that's that's what Alshon's got right now. Right? Yeah, this is what I'm worried about with with Alshon coming. I mean, he they guaranteed his the salary. salary. He's not going anywhere. You'd have to give up an asset. You'd have to trade like to save about like ten or fifteen million dollars. You need to trade like Alshon in a fourth for a seventh, and it's like yeah. what's the what you do there? A two and position cap wise. The only reason that you would get rid of Alshon is if some of these like rumors about him being that's the thing I wonder is if is, is it almost addition by subtraction getting him out of here and but I just, having a fresh I just don't know if I believe it. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things to me. I don't always believe those reports, but where there's smoke, there's fire. It feels like it's just happening so repeatedly, and you see that ESPN's Josina Anderson constantly kind of getting flack for that, and it seems you know people considering. Her a mouthpiece for Alshon a degree mm-hmm. with a lot of the, I don't want to say slander, but sort of her negative reports about the Eagles, yeah. Eagles locker room, Carson Wentz, things like that. I think the thing with Alshon though is you pretty much are just going to have to count him out of most of the season. Yeah. I mean, coming back from that Achilles, obviously Brandon Brooks did it and did it super admirably, but his He's job a freak is not of nature. jumping for the football. Yeah. So... Um, but yeah, I would say like, obviously everyone knows, no one's going to question that the you got to get wide receivers you got to find a corner um you might like to find some edge rushers and i don't know what the deal is with linebacker like i don't know if bradham's gonna stick around i mean i think you would like to see him maybe at a, i think the team's gonna try to get him back at a discount i think you'd like to see nigel bradham back because you'd like some consistency there but i think you Schwartz also have like to some get, of his time in buffalo definitely too. and you also have to get younger at linebacker definitely um and just you know there's, I was mad when we let Jordan Hicks go. Yeah. That was one of the moves that I was upset about because I thought that he was a great mouthpiece to get the defense in order. Great modern linebacker in terms yeah. of the athleticism and ability that he was great in coverage. Yeah. But altogether, all like, I think compared to, I mean, the last four NFC teams to go to the Super Bowl, right? Rams, Eagles, Falcons, Panthers. I think you're in the best shape of all of them. Yeah. You have a bevy of draft picks, I mean, and a bevy of cap space. We, I think we have the fifth most cap space in the league going into next year, and that's before any moves, yeah. before anyone gets cut, before anyone gets traded. Renegotiates their contract. anyone renegotiates their deal. You have a lot of cap space. You have a lot of draft picks, a lot of your own draft picks. You didn't trade away two firsts like the Rams. Yeah. You didn't, you know, allocate most of your cap like the Falcons did. Um, you're not in the middle of a rebuild like the Panthers seem to be, although I love Matt Rule and I'm interested to see what happens. I was there. fan I'm so happy the Giants or Dallas didn't get oh, him. I absolutely. think it's a fantastic hire. And also because I want to root for him. You're a temple, temple guy, guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. Um it's being a temple guys, I want Robbie Anderson. That's oh my god. Here nor there. I've wanted him for like the last two years. That's all I talk about. I mean, uh, and he is a free agent, so Yeah, I uh, love to see Robbie I, they were really interested in Robbie Anderson. Um Hey, if he, leaves the, if he leaves the Jets, I would think the Eagles have to be his top target. Yeah. Well, I was talking to Alec Hallaby. Yeah. Um, uh, we were getting coffee. I was just kind of shooting the shit with him. And I mentioned Robbie Anderson to him with like a little wink. And he was like, we wanted him. Yeah. You know, like we wanted him out of college. We tried to get him here. And the yeah. Jets just kind of made the move. So, uh, but yeah, I think you're in a better space than a lot of other NFC teams. And I, I think you have a really, really great head coach that's proven it again and again and again does not deserve the doubt that anyone is giving to him. And I think that I still firmly believe that Howie Roseman is a phenomenal general manager and that anyone saying otherwise was not saying the same thing at the beginning of the season where it was universally accepted that we were walking into the season with one of the best rosters in the yeah, NFL. Just decimated. And we just had some really, really bad luck. And I think that you can say like, well, that's the risk you take when you have older players, and that can be true. Yeah. But you can't say he didn't build one hell of a roster. Yeah. And ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, regardless of what's happening, what kind of changes, what if the Eagles are going to run it back, or are they going to retool, reload, however you want to phrase it, ultimately they have the best quarterback in the division, the best coach in the division, and very likely the best general manager in the division. Absolutely. And those are the three most important aspects of any organization in NFL with when you have that you're set up for success for the next handful of years, no matter what other sort of things are changing on your roster, you're always going to be, you know, at least, you know, that eight and eight, nine, seven team that is always in the hunt for the playoffs. And then, you know, peaks and rises depending on their schedule where, Hey, we could have an 11, five, 12 and four year. Maybe we slide back and have an 
eight and eight, seven and nine years sometimes, but you're always there going into every season with some semblance of confidence that you could be on a playoff run and hopefully a Super Bowl run. Yeah, they can always catch fire. And I think that, again, like you're very lucky to walk into this. You walked into this season with what was widely considered a top three roster in the NFL. Yeah. And you walked out of it with a ton of cap space and a ton of draft picks and a ton of great players still in your roster. It's yeah. a good position to be in. Now, what is your what are your feelings on trading up in the draft? Would you trade up to like guarantee you get a a Judy or a CD Lamb or something like that? It just, yeah, that's it's so hypothetical. As it depends on what you're trading. To get yeah, there. like I, I'm in the mindset. I'm wondering if they just need ten young players on the roster. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or just come out of the draft? Maybe have seven guys who can contribute in at least some sort of capacity, whether it's special teams, whether it's developmental guys, guys who are something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't have a particular interest in trading up, but if you're sitting at 21 and it's pick 15. 17, yeah, and Jerry Judy's sitting right there and you can get up for, you know, not a ton of... Give him a third and a fifth or something. Yeah, I don't know. That kind of thing. Works. Yeah, like you'd have to look at the draft value chart. Yeah. And uh, some teams even have their own updated version. Yeah, and, so and, like and you just have to know. look at like recent history and yeah, what those that's a teams great are and what they it. need. But like if you can get there without – I mean, I don't think this is we're in any position to do what we did when we got Carson and we're spiraling up the board and, no, and no, making no, a no. bunch of moves. But it depends on what you're giving up for. You know, it's such a hypothetical. Yeah, it's not like they're trading up for Chase Young yeah. or something. But no, but I'll say – I don't have any ideological opposition to trading up. I think everything is on the table. On it's everything is on the table, and everything is about what's in front of you at that exact moment. Yeah. So. Do you want to talk a little about your Eagles fandom over time? So sure. You know um, what is like your first concrete Eagles memory as a fan? Oh man, I think I remember. I definitely remember. Obviously, just watching Randall play. Yeah. Um, and I remember like. He leapt over someone. Oh, Carl Banks. Yeah. And I remember my dad being like, no one else, there's no one else in the world that can jump over someone like that. Yeah. And when my cousins and I would go play, you have like these like free form play where you're like, we're not going to play Ninja Turtles or we're not going to play Power Rangers. We're going to play whatever you want to pretend to be. Yeah. And one of them would be like, I'm going to be Mario. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be Leonardo from Ninja Turtles. I was like, I'm going to be Randall Cunningham. Because I can jump over people yeah. was my, and you know I so I love the team and I um you know I was a big Jerome Brown Reggie White fan and and uh, as we know from some song yeah, lyrics and when, so when Jerome Brown died I was in a first grade like CCD classes okay. which like oh so you're the kid who stole all my rulers and pencils and everything yeah 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 so when you would come back to school the next day, I would be you missing like, where don't my shit go that yeah, was me yeah and you'd have to write prayers out but, and for whatever reason I it was in my head that the way to write a prayer was you had to address it to someone that was dead <laughs> and so I would write <laughs> I would write all of my prayers to Jerome Brown yeah and my teacher was like you're not allowed to do that anymore and I was like well, I don't know anyone else who's died. So I was like, I have to, I was like, a, I was like a good kid. I, I was like, I don't want to get in any trouble. Goody two shoes for So sure. I wanted, but I was like, I'm in trouble now because she just took away the only person I knew who died. And that's the only way to write a prayer. So I tried to circumvent the process by writing my, I would be like, uh, two number 99. She was like, <laughs> oh my God. she was like, I know who that is. And I was like, how? <laughs> How is that possible that you have this Teachers knowledge? don't know that. They, they live in their, they live, they live underneath yeah. their desks. Uh, and I played football all the way through elementary school. Shout out to the North Penn Squires. Um, and I really loved it. I played safety and it was Malcolm great, Jenkins my over favorite here. thing. I loved, and I, my number was 31. So that's why I kind of have a, a Jalen Mills soft spot. Okay. I loved it so much, but I was so small, like so crazy small. They would do it by like weight class and yeah. also by like age. Yeah. And every year you were kind of supposed to go up by both, but I kept staying at like 55 pounds. So you were just and I was, crushing I was kids older. five and, years and younger so that was the thing is I was older by like a year or sometimes even like two years. And I was like demolishing everyone. Physical and freak. then they were like, well, this isn't acceptable. So they moved me way up. And then I was 55 pounds playing with like 75 pound kids yes. getting tossed around. Stiff arm to death. By the end of... Uh, I, I will remember, we were playing uh, Plymouth White Marsh, okay. and someone was, this is such a stupid story, you totally cut this out. But no, I love it. Was, this is all about stupid stories. Uh, someone was like, you gotta, this team has 
wide receivers, the first team is going to throw the ball all year. Yeah. You know, usually chilling. hand it off a hundred times. Right. So, and they were, I was like, I got really excited. I saw a guy split out wide, and like, this is my guy. And I went to my back pedal, and a couple yards up the field, uh, he was just blocking for a sweep, and he lifted me, like, decleated me. I just went flying through the air, and I was like, I should probably quit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I sprained my neck, not on that play, but in general, and I was like, wait, I'm too small for this. And, uh, then I kind of threw myself into music into like once I got to like middle school. Yeah. And I joined my first band and What was that band called? It was called Loser. Okay. Yeah. But don't worry, it was in sticky caps. So okay. uh the L, S, and E, I believe, were always capitalized. Nice. Uh I was in that band and, and I wanted to sound like Link 182 and the guitar player wanted to sound like Nirvana, so we sounded like both alternating between whatever song who wrote what song. <laughs> Did you do the mixed vocals blink style or no? Uh, no, he sung all of them. I didn't think that I could sing at that point. Like how um, things turn now. now you, this is what your career has been leading to. A guest, guest appearance on the, the From the Bleachers podcast in my South Philly apartment. So, uh, and then I, but I basically like totally refocused my life. Once I decided I wanted to be in a band because I knew just by looking at everyone around me, I'm not anywhere close to as talented as anyone is. It's just not. They're better players. They're better singers. If I want to succeed at this thing where I know everyone is better than me, that means I have to outwork them, which means nothing but this. And I got very one track minded. I'm very one track minded person. And so I, I feel that. forgot about everything. I almost stopped. I mean, I would pop back in and watch football every once in a while. Like obviously like the Super Bowl year. And, but a lot of those Donovan Andy years, I was like not even tuned in. Um, Just grinding. I was so focused on wanting to make the band a success. And then one day, after years and years and years of that, it was, right? So, like, you know, you're at your job and it sucks for a day, so you think about the other thing. And for yeah. You right now, it might be you think about doing the podcast or you're thinking about the birds in general. I would have a bad day at work. I used to, for a little What was while, your day job that you kind of... Uh, well, at this point, is when I was in college, and uh, it was, like, anything from, like, I used to work at the Chuck E. Cheese on Snyder in South Philly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I got kicked out of there. We, I went in there for about 10 minutes my senior year of college. And they were like, you just got to get out. Yeah, well, there's like a, we did like a handstand system to make sure no one's abducting children. Basically. Yeah. Like that. You can't come in without a child. Yeah. Um, we weren't trying to abduct children. We were just trying to be drunk idiots. So I, I worked at that at Chuck E. Cheese. I used to work at, I mean, and then eventually I got a job teaching an after school program okay. um, at Russell Byers Charter. And that was a much better job. But, you know, you, th- you go away from that and you think about the thing that you want to do. And I was thinking about music. And then music became my job pretty, not suddenly, but, uh, it dawned on me one day that it was, and I had a bad day at work because even though your job is awesome, some days it still can suck. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I don't have any hobbies. I don't like anything. <laughs> I haven't thought about another thing but this for years now. What the fuck am I going to do? And then it was like getting close to football season. And I was like, I gotta watch football again. And I got so, so deep into it and just started reading books, uh, reading, you know, things like Chris you know Brown's. Do you know what season that was? It was, it might have been Chip's first season. Okay. Um, was that 2011? 13. 2011 was the dream team year. Okay. That might have been. That so they had like all the hype. They got Vince Young. Yeah. Uh, oh, Nandi. Yeah, yeah. Nandi was the big signing. Yeah. Okay. It was, and then it, and it just ramped. Like yeah, it was a little bit that up, year. It was, I was like, year. I was like football, and I'm gonna get back into wrestling. Uh, and I started watching. You still a big wrestling, wrestling guy? Yeah, I was yeah. never a wrestler. So like the one like childhood thing that I still do is like a huge comic book guy. So like I understand people oh, yeah, like I'm wrestling. Like we have literally there's a, a gigantic Infinity Gauntlet in my living room. That's great. <laughs> um, yes, but yeah, I liked wrestling. So I, and then yeah, I guess I, I started just reading all these books on like. Play calling and like offensive strategy, defensive yeah. strategy, and just like just learning everything I could learn. Like, what's a three tech? What's a five tech? Like, what is the wide nine? What's, what's cover two? Yeah, why are we? What is a zone blocking scheme? What is a power blocking scheme? What is it to run trap? What is it to run inside zone, outside zone, a sweep? Like, uh, Benjamin what, Solak over here. I just I wanted to. I mean, I just wanted to know. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be the guy that watched football. And said, what they need now is a touchdown. Like, fucking, of course they need a touchdown. Like every dad, hey, and, we need seven right here. Yeah, right? Exactly. Like, I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. I wanted to be the guy that was like, like, 
oh, did you see how Jordan Hicks sugared the A-gap so the center had to play to that side and got Fletch a one-on-one and he got the sack? Like, that's yeah. what I wanted to be able to... And so I just super invested in it over those years and, and now, uh, you know, spent a lot of my day thinking about football. So you're obviously tour a lot this yeah. past fall. You were in Europe, right? Or uh, two falls ago? It, the last time we were... Or just abroad. Yeah, general. I'm trying to think of the last time that I was out of... We stayed in the country a lot this year because I had my, my first child. Okay. So we, we went to England a couple of times, but they were for like little... I was in the UK for five days in September to do... Well, it was five show days and then mm-hmm. a fly-in day to do Aaron West shows. And we did uh, download for one New Year's this year. Um, yeah, I, I've been, a, I've been in Europe in the fall for sure. and had to try to watch games. Yeah, say, what, so whether you're in Europe, whether in England, whether you're in California, Michigan, wherever, what is it like trying to follow the team when you're on the road, constantly touring? And as you said before, you can be one track minded at times and focused on music. So obviously yeah. on tour, that's when you really, really feel like being a musician is your job. So how is it sure. hard to balance your fandom, whether it's reading up on, articles on bleedinggreennation.com or following things on Twitter and then making time to actually even watch the games. Yeah, so watching the games is honestly the hardest part because a lot of the day you are in hurry up and wait mode Yeah, where you're like, okay, we're waiting to get the green light for sound check or for VIP or whatever it is that you know we're loading in um, and a lot of the time you're like you're just on the bus city to city and there's plenty of time to read articles but a lot of the times the games are when we're playing yeah. and I... I won't, I'm trying to remember the exact, this happened twice where we were playing the Cowboys in prime time. Oh. Uh, and one time we missed the overtime touchdown to Jordan Matthews. That was 2015, was yeah. We were on tour with uh, Story So Far. We were in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we delayed our set a little bit to try to get it. And then the same thing, we went to overtime against the Cowboys when we were, I think, the next year. 2016, Carson's first year, and they lost in overtime Sunday Night Football. Yeah, so we were in uh, I remember Denver, all these Colorado, little things. And I was on stage, and I had told, usually if it's like a little bit earlier of a game, or it's like it's, or it's not overtime, or whatever the way, whatever time zone we're in, uh, our guitar tech, LJ, uh, who also plays guitar in Roaring Twenties with me, will like update me throughout. But I was like, no one tell me. I don't want to know. Because it's win or loss at this point, and if we lose, I'm going to have a terrible set. Yeah, you don't even want to know. And we're getting ready to play there, there, and someone from the crowd just went, the Eagles just lost. I was like, fuck you, man. God damn it. Like, ruined the Axel, rest of my Axel Rowe was just going off stage. I, I just, like, I, you know, I played the rest of it, and no one said they could tell, but it ruined the set in my brain. I just such a... I try not to let it hit me that way when the Eagles lose, but, like, it's it's always going to be a shot to the serotonin levels. Yeah. So do your other, are your other bandmates, whether it's with Aaron West or obviously the one years, are those people not necessarily as big as Eagles fans of you, but at least oh, casual yeah. fans who want to know what's going on with the game to Josh from one years is, is as big of an Eagles fan as I am. Yeah. Um, and Casey from one years is also pretty close. The other guys in the one years don't super care. And then in Roaring Twenties, like LJ, uh, with guitar and CJ plays bass are, are very big fans as well. So there's usually, enough people like we got Dave who plays trombone into it okay um, that's always fun yeah you get, you get people excited yeah. about it that's how I feel like the Sixers for the last you know two or three years like getting people getting into people it. into yeah. it yeah um, and, it's, and like it's obviously it's harder internationally yeah but I remember we were in Germany and it's it was like a festival so everyone's trying to use the Wi-Fi and I was trying to watch the, the, the Wi-Fi does not work and it was the same as Chip's first year and it was against the Packers when we threw the bomb to Deshaun and it got bobbled, bobbled and like and he it caught Falls it. had like a couple crazy passes that should have been intercepted and I was on headphones and like, like pounded the table and yelled and like the whole most of the dressing room was um, this Japanese band who all turned to me at the same time and were like so confused are you okay? <laughs> I was like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, that reminds me, one of my favorite acts is the Hotel Year. Mm-hmm. So they were in Philly. I hadn't seen them in like a year or something. And it's, so it's been a few years now. But in 2017, so the Eagles Super Bowl year, they played in Philly on a Sunday night. I was like, oh, Sunday night, the Eagles probably aren't playing. That's great. And then up being the Sunday night they played in Dallas on Sunday night football, I was like, oh, I'm like, I really want to see them. But it's Dallas. And they, it was the game they won uh, 37 to 9. So I'm very yeah. happy I went to my buddy uh, Mike's house to watch that game instead of. You know, I've seen the hotel here a couple times, but that's yeah. one thing I always think of. Like, yeah, I don't ever buy concert tickets for mid to eight, mid to late April or 
in May just because of the Sixers playoff games yeah. and stuff like that. Or I won't ever buy a ticket ahead of time for a Sunday in the fall or winter. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Uh, two yeah, years I ago, I got jammed up with that because it was the first year the Sixers were in the playoffs. I think I had a ticket to see soccer mommy or someone in May yeah. and I got burned on the ticket. For sure. Yeah, but on balance, it's not that difficult to, to follow the team. It's just sometimes it's like the year... The biggest uh, waste of time for me was the year that we drafted Marcus Smith, and I was in England. Twenty fourteen, yeah. I stayed up till four in the morning watching the draft, the draft oh my God. in the hotel room, and I was like, "Oh, cool." Well, it could have been worse. It could have been the twenty eighteen draft, and you stayed up to watch the first round, and they traded out in the last pick. Yeah, it'd be yeah, <laughs> it'd be difficult. When like it's not even it's different now, where they have the draft. The first rounds on Thursday, round two and three on. Friday and the rest are on Saturday back when it used to be, you know, rounds one through three or one through four or whatever on Saturday, the whole afternoon thing. It's a lot different. Yeah. Now, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I'm trying to remember what the questions were you sent me. You said uh, favorite Eagle of all time, and I think I mentioned it earlier. Mal- yeah, I was going to ask but that, but I know it's definitely Mal- It's not, and it's... Malcolm uh, 1A, Jerome 1B kind of thing. Yeah, well, it started with Malcolm when we were on tour with Motion City, and we were playing in Minneapolis, and... We played last every night of that tour except for their hometown where they played last, obviously. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Monday night, but it could have been a Sunday night game. Eagles-Panthers. Sunday night. Sunday night game. You listen to the whole study? Yeah, I love the whole study. So you know that lyric, um, Summer of 88 was all heat and intensity as on yeah. the youth of today, the 7th Street entry? Yeah. The 7th Street entry is connected to First Ave's one big venue and out the side, on the 7th Street side, there's like a little bar and they were playing and I'm watching the game and I had totally lost my voice. It was like so blown. <sighs> I was trying really hard not to talk. And so I'm sitting there, our tour manager, who's originally from like Illinois, Indiana area, is like, uh, but is an Eagles fan from, because he's toured with us and Bounce and Composure so much. Yeah. Uh, Wait, are they from Philly as well? Bounce? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. They, they look like up the street from here. Okay. Um, he's sitting there, and I'm, we're not saying anything because he knows I'm trying to conserve my voice. But it's like a third down, really, really needed. And Malcolm, I, I'm pretty sure Malcolm comes on a blitz. Oh, that's 2017. I, I got so that was a Thursday night football. Yeah, I'm pretty positive it's sure. 2015. Oh, so because 20, we were on tour with Motion City. So 2015, that was a Sunday night game. That was uh, like the chip, the last chip year or whatever. That sounds right. that sounds about right. Yeah, they lost right. in Carolina. Yes. Uh, and Malcolm comes up big when we need him, and I like stood up and screamed like, "It's Malcolm! It's always Malcolm!" But my voice was blown out. And Dave was like, you sound like a super villain. Like, and then that we just, he just thought it was the funniest thing. So we started kind of saying it. Yeah. And it is true. It's always Malcolm. Yeah. When you need a play, it's always Malcolm that makes the play. And, uh, and so it kind of became a thing. And I, I bought a Malcolm Jenkins jersey. Good. And I was just, about to ask, do you have one? You better have yeah, one. Yeah. And then, but then it just slowly evolved into from him being like always the guy that makes the play. And like every time he makes a play, my phone explodes. Yeah. And it's just every friend I have texting me, it's always Malcolm. Nice. Um, to then not just being a great player and the heartbeat of the defense, but like the guy that's done so much for the city. Absolutely. And he's such a great guy all around. Um, and it's just, you know, it started at seventh grade entry. Um, but it's uh, been a, a thing I've just always loved Malcolm Jenkins. That's that's the guy. That's my guy. What is your favorite Hold Steady song? My favorite Hold Steady song is Chips Ahoy. Yeah. I'd say Chips Ahoy. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Something. It's definitely on Boys and Girls. Yeah, that's the, my favorite. I would say either maybe Party Pit or it's not on uh, Boys and Girls in America, but Stevie Nicks. Yeah. There's also some of the those B sides. I'm not as familiar with them. Dance with, and if you get the the Positive Rage live record, it has a lot of the the B sides okay. like extra stuff, and it's awesome. And also the live version of um, Stuck Between Stations, Killer Parties. Oh, the, yeah, live, the live version of Killer Parties on that record is awesome. And also Citrus, not not the live record. I love version, Citrus. Citrus I love Citrus. A long, long time ago, we were we were going to do this series of covers, and we only ended up doing one. We ended up doing Hey Julie. We were supposed to do three, and one of them was Citrus. Yeah, and it never uh, materialized. Yeah, that one hits uh, at home times. That's a fucking amazing. Yeah, and it's so if you like try to learn it, the structure of it is insane. Like the, the amount of times they play the progression, like or where he comes in, it's like so abnormal and like hard because there's no other cues. Like it's not like you're waiting for the bass to come in yeah. and start singing. This is really a weird you're on your own. head around. Yeah. Anything you're listening to now? 
that you're really into any new things? What do you even listen to? I listened to today. I listened to Titus Andronicus and Deftones and Great Grandpa. Those are the three different albums I listened to. Today. What I've been listening to a lot recently. John Moreland has been my thing recently. I love John Moreland. I just kind of stumbled on it. You know, Georgia Mack put out her solo record. I don't know my friends, sir. She sings Can't Cope. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, I was going to talking about now. And, uh, and I was, I think it was on the fader where the, the debut was. And then I was like, kind of scrolling and saw John Moreland and was like, I don't know who this person is, but the way it's being described sounds like a thing I would like. And yeah. I totally fell in love with it. Spanish love songs. Yeah. Put out a new song the other day. The record's going to be great. Brave faces, everyone. Uh, pup. Wax. You heard Wax? No. With two A's. This is, uh, Australian band we did a festival with. And I was like, Holy shit, you should be headlining. Australia I, kind of having a, uh, obviously there's a lot going on there right now, unfortunately, but yeah, like, kind of a little thriving music scene over there. You have. Oh, it's awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. You have Gang of Youth. I don't know if you've listened to that. <coughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff. It's awesome. Camp there. Um, Alex Leahy. And then not Australian, but Queen of Jeans. Also yeah. a great record from last year. Friend of the <laughs> podcast, Patrick Wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's it's, a big, like, he used to write for Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, cool. Pretty friendly with him. He just got engaged. Oh, the drummers. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's another great record. Um, and then, you know, I have put out like a little year of end of year list, like obviously all the stuff on that. But that was just a quick look at what my Spotify has been recently. Yeah. Uh, my like one Queen of Jeans story is the first time uh, I told my girlfriend I loved her. We were at a Harmony Woods slash Queen of Jeans concert. Oh. Yeah. And then I told uh, Sophia from Harmony Woods that in like person like next time we saw her live and she like cried and oh good feeling yeah, yeah, yeah that was cool though um gonna feel like you're a part of someone's life moments yeah uh i'm sure you're kind of used to that yeah but we get it a lot but it's not like it's any less cool you no know? it's yeah. like it's, it's no big deal to you no, no, no especially kidding, when you kidding. consider like you know you remember the people you know it's like it's honestly hard for me not to go do that to people if i like see you know it's different for you like you can't necessarily fanboy out as much as yeah i i uh this isn't that but it's a funny little anecdote and it's football related so i'll tell you is that we were trying to figure out how to pick draft order in a fantasy league okay and i was like well we're doing riot fest tomorrow um death cab is headlining Pick a Death Cab song. Whatever order they play those songs in will be the draft order. And if they don't play your song, you'll go to the end. And if a couple songs don't get played, I'll randomly decide those, right? Yeah. And uh, so we, we picked our songs. And then I'm backstage with Teddy, who plays drums in Tiger's Jaw. He's like, holy shit, that's Ben Gibbard. And I was like, let's go say hi. Yeah. And he's like, I can't just go there. And I walked over and I was like, hey, what's up, man? Dan, I'm in the one years we played uh, a little earlier. I'm excited for your set. And he's like, oh, thank you. Super nice. Thank you so much. And I was like, hey, weird question. What's uh, I was like, are you going to play uh, a Folly Under the Dark tonight? And he was like, no. And I was like, fuck. And he was like, I'm sorry. And I was like, here's the thing. Our fantasy league <laughs> draft is based on when you play those songs. And I thought that you played it first at uh, I think it was like Lala. Okay. And or it, was, it was a festival in, in Chicago and he was like, oh, Chance the Rapper asked us to play it so we played it. Do you have as much pull as Chance? Uh, and I was like, damn it. I like totally swung and missed. And then well, Chance were, got the first pick in his fantasy league. And yeah, Chance for pick. And then they were on stage and they did their whole set without any banter almost at all. And I was sitting next to their guitar tech and like halfway through the set he stops and he got a tune and talk. And it was like the weirdest dude came up to me backstage and asked me about his fantasy football draft. <laughs> I was like, this is a weird story for you to be telling oh, to this audience. Just like. Yeah. But I was like, that's funny. Like, that's like a, a guy I grew up like Loving. idolizing. Yeah. And, and then uh, I got to make him feel super weird about fantasy football. So they come out then. Uh, also, while I'm still on the podcast, if you don't cut this out. I should just plug real quick that we're going to be on. Whatever the you need to pull a plug with any acts, any albums, any shows. Sure. Plug well, them uh, right now. Wonder Years is putting out Burst into K Volume 2. Yep. Um, it's just... It's Ashley is very excited for it. I'm excited that she's excited. Tell us a hi. We'll do. Um, she's so upset. So, like, we're recording this from my apartment. Uh, I live with my girlfriend, Ashley, as your listeners probably know. I'm at the Eagles Super Bowl Parade. Uh, huge, huge. Her favorite band is the Wonder Years. So, she is very upset she is at work today while I am, quote-unquote, working from home and doing this interview <laughs> with Dan. Don't let your job is. No, they know I have... Okay. Second life okay, okay, okay. and everything like that. It's fine. Um, we're, yeah, so Burst into K1, we had this idea. We're like, hey, instead of just doing acoustic versions of songs, let's like totally try to 
rip them apart and reimagine them uh, and kind of give them a little second life. Yeah. And so we did one. We really liked it. Now we're trying to make it a series. So we did the second one. It comes out in February, but we're also doing a tour around it. So it's us, free throws, Spanish love songs, and pool kids. The hook to the tour is we're doing two sets every night. So we're doing a burst and decay set, and then we're going to change the stage over, and then we're doing our real, like, normal electric set. set. And we're doing Philly at the Fillmore, and it is, I think it's 92% sold out right now. So uh, if you want to get in, I would get in. We're also doing Asbury Park. That's also at, like, 87%. I've never been to Asbury Park, and Springsteen is, like... I know you're probably kind of similar. He's like, my God. Oh, yeah. And we just did, uh, Aaron West just did two nights there okay. in the House of Independence. It's a fucking awesome town. Yeah. Really, really cool town. Um, totally worth your time to go up in a task. No, I just need to like get a stone pony shirt at some point. There you life. go. Yeah. yeah, so we're doing, I imagine mostly Philadelphia people will be listening to this and not other people. But if you are, the, the tour does most of the U.S. There's some Eagles fans out, to Eagles yeah, fans yeah. all around the country. Yeah, the tour does most of the U.S. Uh, the EP's coming out and um, that's all I have to plug right now you know also thank you if you supported it in the past or you're planning to support it in the future or if you don't feel like supporting it that doesn't matter thank you anyway yeah screw off if you don't support it no i do no, I'm I'm do, do your thing yeah. i'm here to tell anyone what to do in their lives i love the wonder years uh they're in my twitter bio as you may have seen it's kind of like a running joke for me as a south philadelphian but dan thank you for coming on this is awesome yeah. This was the first ever guest I invited on the show. As soon as I got the podcast last fall with Bleeding Green Nation, obviously, uh, Dan was one of the first people I reached out to. He was on tour. But as the season ended, he was graciously re-reached out to me about it. Very happy to finally have him on. Uh, if you are a musician in the Philadelphia area and you're a big Eagles fan or you just kind of want to come on the podcast, trying to do some different things, keep things light and fun this off season. Hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open. You could shoot me an email at SeamusJClancy at gmail.com. Hit me up if you want to come on the pod. Yeah. Other than that, Dan. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Go Birds. Also, what a season. What a team to be proud of. Well, that's the, what a team to never stop First, fighting. most of the year I was like, the Dolphins loss was the most embarrassing moments as an Eagles fan, but I couldn't be more, I'm more proud of that team for that last month than I'm proud of the Super Bowl team. Like any, the Super Bowl team, they were just talented and rolling teams. Like it took guts for. And also what do you watch guys. for if not to be entertained? And man, it was entertaining. Yeah. That, like, that Washington game, the Cowboys yeah. game, everything. Yeah. So Shout much out to the Birds. Thank you for another great year. Thank Appreciate you, Carson. You. Thank you, Doug. All players, you know, putting your bodies on the line for our entertainment. Zach Ertz. Appreciate it. Trying to, like, literally could die on the field. What a warrior. Warrior. Yeah. But that's it. Seamus Clancy from the Bleachers. Go Birds, everybody. Go Birds. Bye.